0: ahead and flip your Bibles open to Lamentations. That's where we're going to be. Why talk about struggles if you're not going to go to a lament, Uh right? Um, So my topic this morning is Seek. When life's struggles lead to fruitful searches. Well, when do you search for things? Is it not when you don't have them on your person? I'm not typically searching for my watch because it's right here, or my wedding ring because I never take it off. I'm searching for my child's soccer uniform on a Saturday morning when it's time to go and it's... I don't know where it is. Uh, Those are the kinds of things I search for when I don't have it. So this morning and maybe during this entire lectureship, if you are searching for peace, if you're searching for hope, then I'm here this morning to tell you that what you're really searching for is struggle. (laughs) Because struggle is where you find the fruit. Now, really briefly, and you can read in these amazing little manuscript things we have a little bit about my life from last year. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I just want to tell you a brief backstory of my life. Not for the purpose of being like, oh, Emily, I want you to see God through this story. So look for him. Alright, so it starts when I was eight years old and my parents got divorced. And by ten, they had both stopped going to worship. But I learned at a young age, you know who I can depend on? God. And it was young and it was immature, but I learned, you know what, this is hard. And I was one of the first people in my entire grade whose parents were divorced and people like to make fun of me on the playground. But I learned, you know what? God is there. And then you fast forward to later in my life and I have my first child and I have really, really bad postpartum depression nobody warned me about, nobody You know, tells you those things, they tell you all the great things nobody's like, this could happen uh, it did, full force uh, severe mental breakdown but I learned you know what, God's here too I've been learning this lesson through struggle, through balancing holidays with two different sets of parents and then another set of parents when I got married you know what, God's here too and then my second child was born with pneumothorax, which means a hole in his lungs <laughs> And that first breath he took punctured his lungs, and then he was blue. And they took him away. And I remember calling my dear friend, who's a Christian, and she said, Emily, God brought you through your mental breakdown of postpartum depression, which I still had. It hasn't ever gone away. Uh, God had brought you through. He's with you. He's in this. He's here. And so I knew, like the lesson this morning. Thank you so much for that, by the way. You know what? You can be still. Because God's here and He's gonna take care of you. So, fast forward then to last year, which I feel like so far in my life has been the culmination of all these lessons that I needed to be learning to depend on God, that He's there in the struggle. Because last year, my whole world was rocked. Starting at the end of 2020, my youngest, Owen, which you'll see running around here somewhere, he started having a lot of tests. And one of the first tests we got back was one of those very scary tests where they tell you he's probably not gonna live to be five years old. Um, They had a lot of scary things to tell us, which they would eventually come around to and be like, oh, you know what, that was just kind of a fluke and he's gonna be fine, (laughs) thanks. Uh, But that was like four months later, (laughs) so a long four months. Uh, But, so that started and he's having a lot of tests. And I don't know if you've ever had a child under the age of two have medical tests There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of crying. There was one instance where I had to lay inside of a rapid MRI machine on top of him, holding his head so he wouldn't move so they could do an MRI on his brain. Two full minutes of him screaming in terror in my face. So the guy was there. In April, we would get the diagnosis that he has a genetic mutation, and that was a lot. There's a lot to research and find out about and, and realize. And then the next month, my mom got sick abruptly, immediately. And in a month and a half, she would pass away. She's not a faithful Christian. That compounds grief, as you know. And so we have her funeral. I'm driving back home, and I get a call from my sister that my first cousin, who's 19 years old, killed himself. So the next weekend, I have to come back 10 more hours to a funeral. When I show up at the funeral home, they say, oh, we have your mom's remains. And they hand them to me. I Go back home, and two weeks later, my sister calls again, and she says, Uncle Jeff had a massive heart attack and died. So here we go again, (laughs) round three of the funerals. And my whole world felt like I was drowning because I was going back and forth 10 hours each way to all these funerals having to come back for specialist appointments for my son, having to do therapies three times a week and there was a time in there where I thought I don't know what I'm going to do then I remembered what have I always done who's always been there and then I looked back and I thought you know I wouldn't wish people getting divorced on anybody that's not God's plan for marriage But you know what God did in that? He helped me and he showed me from a very young age, he's gonna be there. And then when pregnancy and childbirth didn't go the way that I planned either time, God said, I'm with you and I'm here, depend on me. And so when last year happened, what else could I do but say, God, you have to have this because I can't and I'm here today to tell you that he carried me through all of last year and it still hurts and grief is weird but he's got me and I learn these lessons from his word because he's always been there not just for me though I have seen it through my life he's always been there for his people always. So we're going to go to Lamentations. And we're going to talk about struggle and pain. And we're going to hear from someone who knows a thing or two about struggle and pain. Now it's not expressly said in the um, the lament who wrote it. Most people attribute that to Jeremiah. Uh, even the earliest records kind of attribute that to Jeremiah. He's the weeping prophet, so it kind of makes sense. Right? He's he a pretty sad dude. His ministry was rough. Um, nobody's really coming back to God. Everything's just being destroyed. Um, This was probably written about 587 B.C. when Babylon has come in and is raiding and raising everything. The people are dying of all manner of horrible things. Starvation, desolation. Just, it's awful. And the worst part about it is that the people don't love God. And so Jeremiah is sick because here are a people who are hurting. He's hurting. He's trying to be faithful in the midst of all of these people who aren't and all of these bad things are happening to the people in the place that he loves and the people won't turn to God. And so the captivity is coming. And it's going to be rough. But what's the point? What's the point of struggle? Why couldn't this life just be perfect and everything be great and sunshine and rainbows and every moment you're just frolicking through fields looking at the beautiful Rocky Mountains? That'd be fantastic. But you know what I would do if that was the case? I'd think, man, I'm awesome. Look at what I've done with my life. I'm doing great. But it's God. And it's in the struggle that we learn that we have to depend on God. Think back to the cycle of these Israelites. Think to the book of Judges. Just Judges. Think of Judges. What happens in the book of Judges? Things are going well. And they're like, mm, we're great. We're going to forget God. And then things are awful. And they're like, oh, yeah, God. God. <laughs> And then things get a little better and they forget. And then the cycle just keeps repeating because sometimes when things are good, the temptation is forget God. And then we're reminded. And we're brought low. And sometimes we want to push against that and we don't want the struggle. But that's why I started this morning by saying, what are you seeking? Because if you want peace and if you want to look like Jesus and you want to have hope, then what you're really looking for is struggle. Because struggle is what's going to bring you closer to Jesus. I feel closer to God now than I ever have. And that is not because of me. It is because the circumstances in my life have shown me God has you. You don't have it. You can't do anything to control it. But God is constant. And God is there. You are probably familiar, maybe not with the entire book of Lamentations. Uh, It's a lot of old poetry, which may not be your cup of tea to just sit down and read when you're having a fun minute. But um, (laughs) it's difficult. There's a lot here. But you probably are familiar with Lamentations 3, 22, and 23. Uh, If for nothing else, um, you know, we sing it a lot. 22 and 23, though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will trust in him. This is a great verse, and there's a reason that we sing it and we paste it places and we send it to people for encouragement. But I think we do ourselves a disservice if we don't dig into the rest of it because this is the high moment, you know, this is the climax, but the rest has been messy and rough and raw. And so to truly appreciate this joy that is found new every morning and this hope in God, then let's back up. Let's back up to the rest of the chapter and look through what is happening. This is a lament, it is a crying out, a distress. It's a collection of poetry, and it's just raw emotion. Chapters 1 and 2 are filled with hardship, sin, uncleanness, wrath, ruin, and just a lot of crying out. And chapter 3 begins in that same way affliction and darkness. And literally, if you start in verse 1 and you just read all the way through 20, it's bad. <laughs> It is, it is not good. And we're going to read some of that in just a moment. But look at verse 17. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a pit of grief where you feel like, I don't remember the last good day I had. I don't remember the last time I was happy. I don't remember the last time I just really belly laughed at something. Jeremiah knows this. There's not anything good happening around him. So how do we go from being in a place where you don't even know what happiness is anymore To thinking about how great God is. Well, we're going to figure it out in the rest of Lamentations 3. Go back to Jeremiah 1 real quick as we get a little purpose statement behind this. You know, God does not delight in us being miserable. This isn't what God wants. What does God want? Doesn't he want you? Doesn't he want me? Doesn't he want our hearts? And as we just remarked, sometimes when things are great, our hearts get caught up in the temporal. Our hearts get caught up in all the carnal and the things that are going on in this world and we forget him. And he doesn't want that. And so sometimes he allows things that hurt us to happen for our good and most importantly for his glory. And so in Jeremiah 1:10, God's giving these instructions to Jeremiah, and he says, starting in verse 9: Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, but to build and to plant. God isn't simply interested in having Jerusalem destroyed and having his people thrown into captivity just to be like, ha-ha, you should have chosen me. That's not our God. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. He wants their hearts. He knows that what is best for them is him. And so, he says, I'm going to let all this stuff be destroyed so that you'll turn to me, so that I can build, so that I can plant. So how do we do that? Well, while Jeremiah didn't really like what was happening, to say the very least, um, probably didn't understand fully what was going on, he still says in Jeremiah 10, 23 and 24. And 23 you're probably very familiar with. Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. But look at verse 24. Oh Lord, correct me, but with justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. This is the mindset that I want us to have as we go through lamentations. God, is there something in my life that is distracting me from you? Is there something in my life that I have made my focus? Then God, correct me. And if that means bring struggle, bring struggle. Correct me because I want to be like you. So as we think about this seek- seek these struggles leading to fruitful searches. Let's start in the first place by looking at struggle. Okay, this is what you got to have first, right? You have to have struggle. So Lamentations 3, 1 to 20 is a whole lot of struggle. Now, if you're a Bible marker, um, this is Bear Valley. Surely you're all Bible markers. Um, Maybe you're not. It's okay. Uh, But if you mark in your text, I have the word me, my, and I underlined every time in these verses. And it is a lot. There's a lot going on. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day he has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe he has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago he has hedged me in so that I cannot get out he has made my chain heavy even when I cry and shout he shuts out my prayer he has blocked my ways with hewn stone he has made my paths crooked he has been to me a bear lying in Wait like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and has set me up as a target for his arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all my people. Their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have. Have forgotten what happiness is, and I said, My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. Sometimes we don't like to say, because we're people who trust in God, we don't like to say, I have bad days. (laughs) And sometimes we don't like to say, I struggle with depression. Well, I do. (laughs) I do struggle with depression. And for the last year, I have struggled with some deep grief and I have wrestled with passages that talk about how we don't grieve as those who don't have hope. And I'm like, what if you're grieving over somebody who doesn't have hope? It's a whole thing. (laughs) Sometimes this is where we are. And you know what I learned from this text? God can handle it. God can handle you crying out in pain, maybe even being a little dramatic about it. <laughs> I'm sure some of these things didn't actually happen. You know, it's poetic. But God can handle it. And God understands the feelings that we have. Who created your feelings? Don't you think that an all-powerful God can then handle your feelings if you appropriately let him out so Jeremiah's not over here bashing everybody else over the head with it he's crying out to God from this pit he's in a pit and he takes it to God he is low have you ever been there maybe you're thinking well I haven't been that low great
1: <laughs>
0: but maybe you have feelings of being low can have a great purpose for his glory in James 1 we read the very common uh, verse we quoted a lot count it all joy when you encounter or fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience well there's one of those fruitful things that's going to come when you fall into various trials the word fall literally means encompassed all about so have my husband uses the illustration of going to a swimming pool Have you've been walking too close to a swimming pool and whoosh, you're in it and then you are encompassed all about with water right? like it's everywhere, it's above, it's below it's places you don't know, you don't know where you are it's a whole thing sometimes this is life where you're walking along and life has been fine and then you are encompassed all about with things, things that are storms, things that are struggles, things maybe you brought on yourself, probably things you didn't bring on yourself. There are so many things, but there can be joy. think that that joy comes from the struggle when people talk about, and it's a real popular thing now, people talk about being on the struggle bus <laughs> I live there, set up residence uh, but what I like about the struggle that people talk about is struggle means to strive and not to go against what you said this morning because that part, yes, don't strive against God and forget, you know, things but also don't just sit in it and forget and just do nothing You know, there's one thing to be still and know God because your focus is where it should be. And there's another thing to be still and give up and to be hopeless and to think I'm not doing this anymore. It's not worth it. And so in that respect, I want you to struggle today. I want you to strive. The word strive in the New Testament is agonitomai. Okay, we get our word agony from that, so it's not going to be great. (laughs) Right? But agonitomai, to strive, to contend. When you are caught in that deep water of a storm, of a pit, when you're in the deep water, do you give up and drown? Or do you keep Striving. Keep swimming. Keep trying to get your head above the water. God will save you. But if you just give up, you got to be reaching out. You've got to be reaching up to him so that he can save you. Because if you turn your back on him, what's going to happen? So we strive 1 Timothy four ten. We strive. We contend. We, it's like competing for a prize. If you knew that Jesus was up there at the end of the parking lot right now, how many of us are like, we're booking it? I've been training for this, right? Like I cycle. I'm going. My legs are. Fr- I'm gonna go. That's how we're running our life. Run like the winner. Strive. Because guess what? Jesus is at the end of our our road. Jesus is at the end of our journey. So keep going. It doesn't mean that the road's going to be easy and beautiful and paved with flowers and just ease, a downhill slope. No, there are going to be hills and rocks and a rugged terrain but keep going. Because Jesus is there at the end. We fix our eyes on Jesus when we're in this pit and when we do that we can keep going because think back to the Old Testament and I'm going to run through y'all study your Bible and I'm counting on that so you're just going to know these people that I'm going to talk about <laughs> because I do not have time to flip to all of these places but you're going to know okay think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and I know you've all heard this but did God save them from the fire through the fire right through the fire well this happened all the time in the Old Testament here were people struggling and God saved them through that struggle think about Leah she was unloved but whose line was blessed Judah Right? God saw her and God blessed her. Did that make Jacob love her more? No. Was that probably awkward to be married to the dude that your sister was? Yes. He <laughs> didn't take it away. Okay, weird circumstance, hard life, got some sons that do weird things. Like. <laughs> but God was there and he was faithful to her, though she was unloved. What about Hagar? Okay, Hagar's got a weird life, right? Sarah brings her in, and she's like, you go be with Abraham. I'm taking things into my... So she is, and then she has the baby, and then Sarah's like, no, you're gone. And she leaves, and that's where God meets her, and takes care of her, and blesses her. Do you... Would you want that life that Hagar had? Because I wouldn't. But God blessed her through that storm. He didn't keep her from having that happen, He showed himself more clearly to her when the struggle happened. Think about Joseph and his imprisonment. Think about Hannah being barren. Think about Naaman being sick. Job, his whole life. Think about the church in the New Testament. When did it multiply? When it was persecuted. God often and all throughout history has saved in the fire and not from it. No, he can. He is able to save you from the fire. And we pray, and I have been praying, God, please take my depression and anxiety away. Please take my depression and anxiety away. So far, six years in, he hasn't. But if he doesn't take you from it, then he will use it for his glory. And that's the point. So we struggle. So we keep going. So we don't give up because we say, you know what, God? You will use this. And my life's purpose is to glorify you. And so I will endure it. God's point of the captivity was to win his people back. And that's the same thing with the storms in our life. God's purpose is you and your heart. And if your storms lead you closer to him, then bring me more storms because we want to be closer to him. All right, so we struggle. But in the second place, we exchange. All right, so in Lamentations 21, 3, 21 to 23a, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Okay, so we'll pause here for a moment. We got a mindset shift there's something we have to do if we want our struggles to lead to something fruitful and that is we have to exchange negative thinking for heavenly thinking this I call to mind okay I'm not leaving my mind in the pit and look at all those verses of pit right and that's not even the first two chapters of it okay it's been rough he's in the pit but he doesn't stay there he looks up with his mind's eye this I call to mind and therefore I have hope through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions or his deep love the deep love from a superior his compassions fail not they are new every morning God allows this hurt to happen to help us he looked up he didn't stay in it he didn't stay focused on the here and now he looked up, he remembered how faithful has God been in the midst of going through all of the things of last year, you know what I could do? I could remember being 10 years old and going and spending the night at my next door neighbor's house because her dad was a deacon and her mom would bake cinnamon rolls on Sunday morning (laughs) and even though my parents weren't going to go I could go spend the night at their house on Saturday night and I could go and I would make the best friends of my life in the youth group I would be introduced to a preacher who went to Freed Hardeman who told me what Freed Hardeman even was uh, which is where I would end up, which is where I would meet my husband who is a faithful Christian (laughs) all because God has been there taking care of me and so sometimes in our struggles we think you know what I've had more struggles maybe they weren't as big of struggles because I needed smaller struggles to lead me up to these larger struggles the older you get the worse they're probably going to get and that means you can handle more because God's got you but we remember how faithful has God been this whole time I'm going to think about that. In Philippians chapter 4, when we talk about praying, taking away those anxieties, and we cast our cares on God, and then we're going to have this peace that surpasses understanding. How's that going to happen? Well, if you keep going, verse 8 kind of gives you this mindset of how some of that's going to happen. Well, you got to change the way you're thinking. So instead of focusing on all these anxieties and cares that you're taking to God, you give them to God. And then you think on things that are good, things that are praiseworthy. How many things are praiseworthy? Well, Lamentations would tell us there are new things every morning that are praiseworthy. Every morning. And so we will not run out of things to praise God for. We just have to stop being so focused on self that we forget to praise Him, even in the struggle. And that's rough. Listen, there were times when all I could think about was, now I've got to drive this much, and then I've got to get back, and I've got a doctor's appointment. And it was so hard not to be focused on self. But we have to stop and remember, it's God who is good. It's God's goodness that will get me through this. Turn off what breeds negativity and increase what promotes praise. Think about Abraham difficult must it have been for him to take Isaac and to think about offering Isaac. Now that I have a son, whew, Abraham, <laughs> you are a faithful man. And he takes him, and do you know what he says? When Isaac's like, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> Which I can only imagine was a very awkward moment in biblical history, right? Uh, but Abraham is not focused on the pain of what's about to happen. He knows how good God is. And so he changes that way of thinking. And he says, God will provide. God will provide. And that gives him the strength to do what is necessary. To do what is coming. And that's what it takes for our lives. Sometimes just getting up out of bed that next day is hard. But if we will think god is able god will provide and we can do it it's not of our own accord it's not of all the strength we can muster no it's god it is god's goodness and god's faithfulness and his compassions that lead us to keep going so we've had we've struggled We've exchanged this negative thinking for this heavenly thinking. And now, uh, Lamentations 3, we're going to erupt in praise. Lamentations 3, 23, the second part of that, and 24. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Uh, For time's sake, let's Skip down to 55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry, from help. You drew near on the day I called you and said, Do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When you are in a struggle, not after you have been through the struggle that God has gotten you through, in the struggle, praise God. Erupt in praise from the pit. I have too much hair. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's, it's so much. While you're in the pit, you know, things have not gotten better here for Jeremiah. People still die left and right. Nobody cares but him. People are all over his case about preaching and teaching. Nobody likes him. They're awful to him. They're literally throwing him in pits. <laughs> it's not over yet. It's still happening. And he erupts in praise for a God who comes near. You may still be in a storm. God is there too. And that means there is something praiseworthy today for that storm. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody talk about a dance break. Uh, we have, I don't know, I watch this show with my children. It's called Octonauts. <laughs> uh, if
1: you've
0: ever seen Octonauts, they have this little dance break part where these little tiny turnips are dance. <laughs> Yo, I need more coffee. It's fine. Okay, they have this part where they do dance breaks. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. I'm, I mean, you can't. But what if we had built in praise breaks into our day? What if you set a reminder on your phone and it's like, praise break, (laughs) and a little ding goes off, and it's like, oh, you know what, I haven't thought today about, hmm, what can I praise God for? Or maybe it's a praise break, and it's like prayer of praise, where all you do at that moment at 2 o'clock every day is offer a, thank you, God, you're awesome, you're amazing. You're faithful, you're good, your compassion to do not fail, and it's all about God and praising Him. What if we had a praise break? Well, I think it would make the struggle better. Because God is there, and there is something to be said for stopping in the middle of the pit and looking up. We have a um, a group at our congregation called Tapestry, and it's a group of women. Um, from all ages, and we intermingle all of our ages so we can get to know everybody in the congregation. And one of the things that our tapestry group does, it's like 10 of us, one of the things we do is we have a daily text chain, which I'm not a group text person, but I'm, I'm, you know, God's teaching me patience through my tapestry (laughs) group. (laughs) So every morning at like 6.30, the first one starts, and it starts the day on a scripture or a biblical thought, and then we just... It just goes from there. Because if you've ever been a part of a group chat, then you know that it's chaos. <laughs> uh, but one of the things recently that came up was someone said, I wish, blah, 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 and And they had something to say. And someone else, an older lady in our group said, You know, years ago, I tried to eliminate the word wish from my vocabulary. And we were like, okay, I'm intrigued. <laughs> and she said, I want to say, I'm going to be praying that... Something happens. So that I can intentionally thank God when it does or thank Him when it doesn't because it wasn't for my good. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) Because our minds are so powerful. And having these moments where we are intentional about praising God, these are the things that are going to get us through the storms. If we wallow in self-pity, it's not getting any better. But if we magnify Christ in our storms, then no matter the storm, we can get through it. So think about your social media presence. Think about the people that you interact with daily. How can you praise God in those conversations? How can you be the person that they think, I didn't know that was going on in their life. I didn't know they were in so much pain. It's not because we're trying to be, you know, putting up this front like nothing bad ever happens to us. But instead saying, something bad is happening to me. And you know what? God's there. And he's got me. And I will be okay because he's my father and he's carrying me. So be real. Be vulnerable. But don't be negative. <laughs> Instead, shine the light of Christ. And so often, when we are weak, he's what? Strong. Strong. That's when his glory can be on display the most. When we will get out of the way and let him shine through. All right, in the fourth place, keep waiting. Lamentations 3, 25 as long as I want to go. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God allows things that hurt to happen to us. Why? Because it is good It is good for us to wait on God. If I got everything I ever wanted right when I wanted it, I would never have a grateful heart. Something I'm presently trying to teach my six-year-old. And also myself. (laughs) Because it's hard to wait. It's hard when things don't immediately happen. But if you go to Hebrews... Hebrews 12, 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, okay, after, we're still waiting. It hadn't been great, and it has not been fun. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Is training a short term thing or a long term thing? It's long term, right? That's the point of training. You're trying to build up strength, build up endurance. Well, that's what our storms are. You know what they're doing? They're building up our hope in God. I don't know about you, but when things are great, I'm like, things are great. And when things are awful, I'm like, I can't wait for heaven. Well, if I only ever focus on heaven when things are bad, then I hope God brings more bad things to me. Because our lives are supposed to be Christ. Our minds are supposed to be set on things above and not on things below. And so if storms are what cause me to think upward, then bring the storms. Keep waiting. Fruit doesn't grow overnight a spiritually mature person doesn't rise up out of the waters of baptism (laughs) you know think about Romans 12 very quickly (laughs) Romans 12 the metamorpho right how does a butterfly learn to fly doesn't it have to struggle against that chrysalis to build up the wings so that when it emerges as this changed creature it can actually fly if you cut open the chrysalis of a butterfly it will never fly Because his wings aren't strong enough. Well, here we are, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) If we don't ever struggle, we won't ever fly. We have to struggle so that we can be spiritually mature women of God who are longing for him, waiting for him, have this great expectation of heaven because that's where he is. So today, if you want peace, if you want joy, if you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control, there's the fruit. If you want it, then you want struggle. Because that's going to be what leads you to Jesus. When you suffer, seek God. Struggle. Exchange negative thoughts for heavenly thoughts. Erupt in praise and keep waiting For the eternal glory that is to come. Let's close with Jeremiah 31. What's the point? What was the point of captivity? What was the point of this pit? What is the point? Jeremiah 31. 33 and 34, but this is the covenant that I will make with those of the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive them their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. What's the point? Hardships lead you closer to God. And if I will be closer to God because of storms in this life, then let's be women who boldly pray, bring me more
1: storms. Thank you, Emily. I don't think there's ever been someone who spoke like that that made me think, I, I'm i looking for more struggle. I need to have more struggle. I want more struggle. Thank you for that. It was excellent. God's given you the ability to communicate very well. Uh, and I was thinking, and I wrote this down, if he doesn't take it from you, he's with you in it. That needs to be something I write on my wall or have it stuck on my mirror and look at every day. Something that I shared with my mom that I had read somewhere, shared with her years ago, uh, praise will be your greatest weapon against fear. And you said that, basically. And I wrote that on John's hospital board. And I think you can in- insert so many words in there. Praise will be your greatest weapon against fear, against pain, against storms, against anxiety, against all things that we face. So you're right about those praise breaks. I like that. And I need to know more about that, that last thing that you were describing about, oh, I'll talk to you about it later. I don't want to take up too much time. Um, We're going to break five minutes.
0: Sorry. (laughs) No,
1: I ate into your time, so uh, five minutes. So please be back here. Kathy's going to speak next, Kathy Pollard. So I know you'll want to be back. So come back in four and a half minutes and be ready to listen. (laughs)